This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast. This is podcast episode 27, and we are doing this on Monday, November 28th, the day after, well, hours actually, after the Eagles with a 40-33 win over the Green Bay Packers. We'll get into it deep in this episode. Of course, in a few moments, we're going to be joined by Devin Caney, one of my partners uh, at uh, the Jacob Media postgame show, which we just did hours ago, uh, and a host of uh, many other positions in the Philadelphia media these days. So we'll talk to Devin about her career and, and about what it's like to do a, uh, a postgame Eagles show with crazy men like myself, Seth Joyner, and Derek Gunn. And, of course, we'll do some offbeat stuff like uh, – uh, the uh, Mike Unleashed segment. We'll have three questions for Mike. All that's coming up a little later in the show. Well, let's get into the Eagles and Packers last night uh, and what happened with, uh, I mean, listen, uh, Jalen Hurts in the running game is the story. So uh, good night, everybody. I mean, it was just a dominant performance by, by the Eagles rushing attack. Uh, Jalen with 17 carries for 157 yards rushing. He breaks Michael Vick's one game record of 130 yards. Uh, he also had over 300 yards total offense himself. Miles Sanders adds 143 yards on 21 carries. The Eagles punted once in this game. They had 29 first downs. They had four touchdown drives in the first half, and they had really two major drives, which I thought was the turning point. They sandwiched them uh, around halftime, really. The one going into halftime was a, was a major, major uh, bonus for, for the Eagles, where they went nine plays, 71 yards, with a 30-yard pass to Quez Watkins to take a 27-20 lead into halftime. And on that drive, it, it was not a good series for our old friend Rasul Douglas. Uh, he got flagged for holding on to a jersey uh, on a route, defensive holding that helped the Eagles on that. And, of course, he got beat by Quez uh, on the back shoulder throw for the touchdown. Uh, and so then we go into halftime, and on their first possession of the second half, if they gotten Green Bay out on downs, they go 11 plays, 86 yards. And on that drive, of course, they survived a 52-yard kickoff return from Keyshawn Nixon. 
in that game. So that that was key that they were able to 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 hold Green Bay on their first drive in order to get that drive, and, and of course that 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 put them up uh, uh, thirty-four to to twenty-three. Um, no, but it, it, not 2014. Yeah, tw- yeah, it was 2014. Yeah, Sanders, 21, 8, 28, and 8 uh, out of the shoot, uh, and boom, uh, they get that touchdown pass uh, to uh, A.J. Brown uh, down there. And from there, they hold Green Bay off, even even though the, the Birds' defense got a little loose with, uh, with Jordan Love in the game as he came in for the injured Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and Love hits Christian Watson – for a big time score, which made uh, things hairy, and we'll get into that in a second. But uh, let's let's look inside uh, the drive now. Gr- Green Bay, twenty uh, fifth uh, versus the run. The first drive of the game that we're talking about, where the Eagles get down the field, uh, they start out with two passes. And I'm going, oh, see, this is the, like the overthinking part of football, where. They go, okay, Green Bay thinks because we're bad against the run, the Eagles are going to run. So the Eagles decide to pass rather than rely on their running attack against a bad run defense. So they start with two passes, and then they get back to their identity, which is uh, uh, Jalen Hurts and, uh, and, and what he does uh, with his legs. Third and 10 on that drive. He scrambles for 24 yards. Third and six on that drive. Quarterback draw for 28 yards. Green Bay actually tried to spy him earlier in the game with rookie Quay Walker. Nah, that didn't work because uh, he, he kind of ran right around the spy. So Green Bay goes, well, what are we going to do? You know, we, we can't spy him, so we got to play more conventional. Let's see how that works. Game well, winds up getting the rushing TV to, uh, TD to put it up 7 nothing. And then, you know, I'm watching Aaron Rodgers during this game, and I'm going, you know, he doesn't even look like he's that motivated to play. And he throws this careless interception that bounces off Slay's face, and it's picked off by Josiah Scott. And then they score with Sanders 15 yards. He missed the PAT, so it's 13 and nothing. And I'm going, you know, the, the guy, he's not into it. He's got a bad thumb. He's all banged up. He's playing with a lousy team. They have to run the table to get in the playoffs. He knows that's pretty unlikely. But all of a sudden, there's a resurgence in the game of Aaron Rodgers. Um, the, the Packers get a good drive, and A.J. Dillon – who was a monster in the game. I mean, he's tough to tackle. He 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 gets a big burst. All of a sudden, it, it's 13 to 7. And, and then the, the Eagles in their next drive, I, I don't think I would have ever seen this because the quarterback snap with Jalen Hurts is, is like a, an automatic. They get stopped on two straight quarterback sneaks, unheard of. And the second one they get, they get stopped on is, is a weird play where Hurts kind of loses control of the ball Sanders in the pile kind of snatches it away and tries to get the first down, but he doesn't get it. Uh, and on Pack's next drive, they convert on a fourth down, and then they get the TD pass to Randall Cobb. They take the lead all of a sudden. Now, like a game that looked like the Eagles were going to have easily, the uh, Packers take a 14-13 lead. Uh, but you just can't stop the Eagles' offense when Hurts is cooking. Uh, he goes around right in on the next drive for 41 yards. By the way, his first three rushes in this game went for 60 yards. He had 103 rushing yards in the first quarter, and, and they score on that drive uh, to make it 20 to 14. I mean, just a crazy first half going uh, going up and down. Uh, we had some highlights like Reed Blankenship intercepted Aaron Rodgers. Blankenship is in the game because C.J. Garner-Johnson gets hurt. They put this rookie in. 
the last time I saw him, he was committing a bad penalty on special teams on a kickoff coverage. Uh, but he makes a great play where he steps in front of a receiver and, and gets the pick. A little later, A.J. Brown gets stripped again, and the Packers uh, recover, and, and they get uh, they, they get a tie in, in this game at 20-20, uh, and, which made that drive right before halftime really meaningful because the Eagles had given away a couple opportunities here, and all of a sudden the Packers are tied with them at 20-20, and they get that drive to, to go into halftime. Uh, now, I know fans get a little scared uh, uh, when the Eagles make it close. The Eagles, you know, this is the one of several games where the Eagles have let teams kind of like hang around and get back into it. Um, and they let Green Bay hang around. They get a little scared. All of a sudden, you look up and Christian Watson scores on the big play when Blankenship, who had actually had an interception, he made a great tackle on a play earlier. Uh, he took a wrong angle on Christian Watson. Uh, you know, Blankenship's got to realize that the uh, NFL speed, a uh, 4-3 speed, is a little different than what he was used to playing in college. So he takes the bad out. Christian Watson romps in for the touchdown. It's 37-30 to 30 with nine minutes left all of a sudden, and Jordan Love's in the game. Uh, so uh, uh, Sirianni gives me some heart palpitations. It's fourth and three at the Eagles 36. And I, I'm looking at him, and he's got the hand to go for it. And I'm reading on his face. He actually wants to go for this play. And, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, if you kick the field goal, they can't win. Now, I, I know maybe the analytics said something. Maybe he's thinking that he could draw them off sides. Maybe he's afraid to try a 54-yard field goal because if it's no good, he's giving the Packers the ball at the 47-yard line. Whatever it is, to me, it's a no-brainer. If you've got a good kicker, you trust your kicker to put the game away. Well, he winds up going, he sends the offense out, then he calls the timeout. I assume he was trying to get him off sides. I, I, you know, NFL teams, when it's fourth and three, most likely are not going to jump off sides. So uh, I, they got the thing right. Uh, he calls the timeout. He finally sends Elliott out to kick it. And that was pretty much it. Let me bring in Darren, our, uh, our erstwhile producer out there, the voice in the wilderness. Now, uh, w- when you're looking at that situation, what was going through your head, Darren, on the fourth and three where he considered going for it? <laughs> Look, nothing fools me anymore in the NFL. I thought that there's, there's only one thing that they're trying to do is to draw them off sides. I, by the way, I hate that. I really do. It's disrespectful to an NFL team to think they're going to jump off sides. It really is. Nine and a half times out of ten, they're not going to jump. They don't. They barely. Do, they barely jump in college. I mean, just go out if you're going to if, if, you, if your play is to kick the three, kick the three, put the game away. Don't give me the, you know, the, the drawing of the offsides. It's one of those things in football that I wish they would uh, outlaw. I can't stand. It. Yeah. Uh, okay. But but Sirianni. You know, I I don't know how much analytics plays into this whole thing, and we're going to talk about this a little later w- with the uh, Chargers-Cardinals game. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at his face. I sincerely thought that he was really inclined to go for it uh, and not try to draw him offside. I think his first thought was, we're going to go for this. And and to me, that's a bad thought. It's a young thought. Uh, and, it, you know, to me, if, if you believe in your field goal kicker, why wouldn't you believe in him? You just go, all right, boys, let's knock on the tackle on three and we win the game. Now, they go up 40 to 30 at that point, and, and Green Bay wasn't going to come back from there, even though they, they made it pretty interesting uh, towards the end, and, uh, and the Eagles had to make a play to really end this game. 
Uh, and they kick a field goal, but but that, that wasn't going to uh, win the game for them. Uh, all right, so so the Eagles are now uh, ten and one, and uh, they had the Titans coming in. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Ten and one is pretty staggering uh, at this stage of the season. Uh, they they are still holding on as the best team in the NFC. There's another there's another team that's surfacing though. The San Francisco 49ers are coming from from the rear, and we'll talk about it, that in a second as well. But let's talk about some lingering impressions that I had uh, in this game. The first one is C.J. Gardner-Johnson is probably going to miss a couple of games uh, with either a rib fracture or a rib cartilage problem. They're, they're one and the same. He's going to have to put up with the pain of that, and I assume he won't play for, for a couple of weeks. So the question is, can Reed Blankenship fill in? I mean, Kevon Wallace, they've kind of gone away from. So this kid is going to get his opportunity. He looks like an aggressive player. Uh, but again, he's young. And, and he's uh, in a position where you, you kind of have to read uh, what's going on out there. So so I worry about that. Here's the other thing I worry about. I, I'm, I'm officially worried about the Eagles' special teams and the way they cover kicks. Because they haven't been really good at it. And, and in this game, we watched uh, Keyshawn Nixon. He had five returns in this game for 172 yards. In fact, he took one that was like seven yards deep. That's what the one he busted for, for 53. Um, so that's got to get cleaned up. And it's been consistently bad all year. Jalen Hurts. Uh, it, it brings into play this uh, debate that has no right answer. And the debate is, is it too much? Now, I know Chris Collinsworth during the broadcast said it, it's almost, you know, imperative that you have a quarterback in this kind of an NFL that can make plays with his legs. You have a better chance to win if you have that dimension, and and it is such a dimension for the Eagles that that he can do things like this, and it's a major part of what they do. Now they call a lot of running plays for him in, in this game yesterday. The thing I worry about. Because uh, I don't want to take that away from the Eagles. I, I don't want to be without those kind of plays. The thing I worry about is when they call the keepers where he's running between the tackles. And uh, he took a couple hits in that game last night. He took one in the ribs uh, towards the the, 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 uh, the end zone. And then he took that shot to the back of the neck. And, and you wonder, like, is it a matter of time before something happens? Now, I know this kid is strong as hell. And uh, he's durable and all that. And uh, But... Um, there's a, there's a debate that goes on all the time. Are they running him too much? I think 17 carries for your quarterback is a lot of carries for your quarterback, but but it's such a weapon and, and so much of what they do that I can't say curtail it. And, and it's one of those things like it's all fun and games until you get your eye poked out. Your, your mom used to tell you when you would run around with the scissors. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know how to feel about that. Darren, let me bring you in. Let me bring you in on that. I, I think you're hitting on the wrong issue, though. You're hitting on the wrong issue with that. The, the bigger problem is what running quarterbacks do in the postseason, and that is Ugats. They do nothing in the postseason. They need to focus. I mean, he's got to play better from the pocket in the postseason. Okay. Uh, I, I, when we get, we'll, we'll analyze that when we get there. I'm talking about, like, right now – the, the worry is, uh, do you run him too much? And you can't, if you ask an Eagle fan, they're, they're going to say, no, 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 we're not running him too much. And, and that, that's why it's a debate that has no correct answer because 
you can't say you're running them too much. You're getting such productivity out of it that you can't sit there and say you're running them too much. But you just like you just worry about when the, when when the glass is going to break. That's the only thing I'm saying. Uh, uh, and it's a uh, it's a it's a topic that it's going to be you know we're going to be talking about for for the rest of the season. And in the playoffs, we'll see. I I don't uh, agree with what you just said. I I think that this guy you know, there's only a couple of guys that have been in the playoffs of, of this ilk. Uh, and I think that Jalen uh, is is a lot. Uh, uh, he's a lot more uh, heady, I think, when it comes to making plays than a guy like Lamar Jackson is. Like Lamar Jackson is a little more wild than Jalen Hurts, uh, and I think Hurts can pick his spots well enough. I, I just worry about the the uh, run pass run situations where he keeps and runs between the tackles. The the quarterback draws are, are designed to run in open space, but those other ones. Uh, are going to be bunched up a little bit. So we'll see how that evolves as the season goes on. All right, number uh, number four, um, not that we care about this. People in Green Bay care more about this than we care about. But what will be the situation with Aaron Rodgers? Now, he's banged up. I, I expect that he's going to miss several games uh, being banged up. Um, and it calls into question, you know, Jordan Love's been sitting for a, a long time behind him. I don't know what kind of quarterback he is. He looks like he can sling it a little bit. Uh, but they're going to have to play him now uh, a lot for the rest of the year. And and you wonder if if Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers both say, you know what, the time for me uh, has been exhausted here. I'd like to go to another team. The problem with that is he just signed an extension. He makes $42 million this year. He's going to make 59.5 next year and then 49.3 the year after that in 2024. So if they trade him, the Packers are going to get a lot of dead cap money. Now, it's not the first team that sucked up the dead cap money. In fact, uh, let's look right here in Philadelphia where the Eagles sucked it up with Carson Wentz. It was the largest kind of dead cap money in the history of the NFL. This will be larger than that. But I, I wonder what will happen at, at the end of this year. Yeah, any thoughts on that, Darren? Rodgers is one of those quarterbacks right now that you have to look at. There's three of them in the NFL. There's Brady, there's Russell Wilson, and there's Aaron Rodgers, which have been the backbone of the league at the quarterback position for a long time. You could very well see all three gone at the end of the year. I, I think it's time for the Packers to move on. I mean, I, I, and I also think that the Green Bay can actually get a draft pick for a pretty high draft pick for Aaron Rodgers if he still wants to play. Yeah, but you're going to have to eat like $50 million uh, on, on dead cap money. So I, I don't know if it's... It, Look at these teams that don't care about dead cap money now. The Eagles, the Rams, nobody cares. Yeah, I, I understand. But, it, you know, this is Green Bay, too. It's not, you know... So I don't know. We'll see. It, it's not my problem. It, it's their problem. We're riding high. We don't have those kind of problems uh, these days. Um, all right, let's... Um, um, do some uh, miscellaneous uh, thoughts uh, on the uh, NFL weekend. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be called uh, football miscellaneous. You see what I did there? Miscellaneous thoughts, football mis- miscellaneous. How about if we do it that way? I-, I saw what you did. You saw what I did there? Football miscellaneous. All right. So football miscellaneous starts with this, the NBC broadcast. Um, yeah, Chris Collinsworth is annoying at times. But I got to say, his analysis has been pretty good. He anticipates, he, he calls the right penalties when he sees them. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. But why does he have to be a schlumper in the booth? He's always like got a schlumping posture. He's like schlumped down. I mean, he's an ex-NFL player. He's like a schlumper with these. 
and 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 what makes him think that uh, the sport no sport coat look is a good look? Like he's wearing a white shirt with a tie and boot. Put the sports coat on. Would it kill you? Would it kill you to put a sport coat on? Your part Tariqa's got one on. You take the thing off. You got a white shirt with a tie. It's a bad look, Chris. Uh, I don't even know why that stuff bothers me, but it does. Uh, all right. Um, of course, in the broadcast, you had the obligatory camera sandwich shot. It's bound been perfected in Philadelphia every time. National broadcast in Philly. You got to get a sandwich in there. Normally, it's a cheesesteak. They flipped the script last night. They went to roast pork with Broccoli Rob. They went to the Knicks in the Reading Terminal uh, to get the, the roast pork shot. Uh, normally, you know, it's a Gino Pat thing. And I don't know when these networks are going to figure out that the best cheesesteak and roast pork is only at one place. John's roast pork there on Snyder. So, you know, if you're really going to be realistic about this city and you want to go roast pork cheesesteak, you go to John's roast pork. All right. Had to get that off. What else did we see last night, Darren? Oh, we saw the obligatory Rocky statue shot. That makes me sick. Yes. Sick. You got to get the sandwich. You got to get the Rocky statue in there. I don't mind the sandwich. I actually like whenever they're in different cities and they show guys on the street cooking. That gives you a, mm-hmm. feel, a little bit of the vibe of the town. I can't yeah. stand Rocky statue. I uh, got the Rocky statue. Yeah, so they check, check, sandwich, Rocky statue on the broadcast. All right. Uh, and also, of course, there's this. I don't know if a lot of people pick this up. But I love the way the networks, they, okay, let's now show the the uh, the bad Philly fan, the dopey Philly fan. So they focused the camera. It's 34-23, mind you, and it was a questionable official's call. So the camera focuses on an Eagle fan who's standing up going, asshole, asshole, asshole. And, and so the message to the rest of the world on national TV is look at those zoo animals in Philly. <laughs> so there you go. There were the three exposures for the broadcast last night. All right. Let's go around the league now on uh, football miscellaneous. And uh, I'll talk about the end of the Chargers-Cardinals game. The, char- the Chargers score in this game with 15 seconds left. Uh, and they're now within 24-23. Extra point ties the game, sends it in overtime. There's 15 seconds left in the game. But Brandon Staley, the coach of the Chargers, elects to go for a two-point conversion to win the game, and they get it. But my question is, is it the right thing to do? Now, me, uh, I, I'm not one of those modern thinkers where you win the game. If you're in college and you're Appalachian State and you're trying to beat Michigan and you need two-point conversion and not want to take it into overtime because you're outmanned by the other team, then you go for the win. In the NFL, I don't think you should ever go for a win. And here's the way I see it. I'd rather not win the game than lose it. You know what I'm saying? That you, you, like If you miss that, you lose the game. You're accountable to your fan, but you just lost the game. If you tie it, at least you can rely on your team. There's so much more control. You have so many more dimensions for you at that point to win the game rather than life or death playing Russian roulette with one play. Now, they got it. Everybody thinks, oh, the ball's on Deborah and Staley. In general, I think it's a bad play. Darren? So I, I agree with you. And, and you know I'm not an analytics guy. And I'm a very uh, conventional thinker when it comes to the game of football at the pro level. I think you hit on it. If you're a small-time school and you're trying to beat, you know, if it's Georgia Southern and they're taking on Alabama and you got a shot to, yeah, do it. 
in the NFL, if you are not, unless you are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, you can't lose the game. You tie it and then go win the game. If you're out of the playoffs, it's week 17. Uh, it's raining. It's cold. It's dreary. There's nobody in the stadium. Who gives a shit? Go for it. But unless you're, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it in the NFL. I, I can't imagine if the Eagles, uh, if Sirianni does something like that, he goes for two and doesn't get it, and they lose. What the reaction would be here? There's just too much to lose when you gamble like that. When you have overtime that can really rescue you, you can settle your squad down. Uh, all right, so they, but they got away with it. And, and Brandon Staley, though, the Chargers coach Brandon Staley might be the most analytical of all these young head coaches he's captain Animal. yeah he is so so here you know here's what i would say to brandon uh all right so what's the what's the percentage analytically of you converting a two-point conversion i don't know what it is but i guarantee you that it's less than the percentage to kick an extra point to send it into overtime so that's the mike missinelli analytics part of it all right all right let's go number three the raiders i mean what the hell with this team from one week to the next, they get the quarterback. They're losing and crying, and all of a sudden they get a walk off, walk off. That mind you, eighty-six yard touchdown run from Josh Jacobs to beat the Seahawks. Uh, Jacobs has two hundred twenty-nine yards rushing in the game. By the way, uh, so the Raiders still have life. This team that I think should be dead buried uh, pull out a game yesterday. Uh, number four, the Jets. Oh, you know, I wanted to bet this game on my Bet Rivers app. And I forgot all about it. The great Bev Rivers app. I, I suggest you download it, by the way. But uh, I love the Jets in this game because this line went up to nine and a half for the Jets. And it, you know why? I loved it for the line, but also the backup goalie theory. Now, you've heard me talk about this a lot of the time. They, they had a new quarterback in there, Mike White who last year played a great game. All of a sudden, he comes off the shelf, and they get rid of the, the darling high draft pick to sit, sit on, the, on the pine for a little bit. And I go, you know what? When that happens, invariably, the team rallies around the dude. And sure enough, they did, and the Jets smoked the Bears with Mike White. Now he's the new darling quarterback. You need to tell me that they're going to they're gonna choose Mike White over the investment they made in a first-round quarterback? Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the end. There's a good chance Zach Wilson never throws a pass again for the New York Jets. A good chance. <laughs> really. I, see, I think, I think that that's ridiculous. That if you draft a quarterback like Zach Wilson, okay, you want to bench him now, but you can't say that you're done with the guy. Uh, all right, and finally, uh, the Eagles' next opponent, the Titans. They lose to the resurgent Bengals. And, you know, the, the pertinent stat here, Derrick Henry, who everybody's afraid of is going to bust up the Eagles, he was held at 38 yards on 17 carries last week. So Ryan Tannehill all of a sudden is now assuming a bigger role, and he had a pretty decent game. So I have no idea what to expect uh, uh, next week in a 1 o'clock game, a more regular conventional start. I love 1 o'clock games. Uh, the Eagles right now are a minus 6 uh, in the game. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It, it's a dangerous spot, I, I, but I never know uh, how the Tennessee Titans uh, are, are going to uh, uh, account. Uh, for that. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, it is the Mike Missanelli podcast. I'm excited to talk to our next guest. Yes, uh, she is my partner on the Eagles post game show, 
that you see on um, Jacob Media YouTube channel and at 6abc.com. She's also a part of the uh, new WIP morning show. She's the on-air host at Philadelphia Flyers games and probably has three other jobs I don't even know about. Let's welcome in Devin Caney. Devin, how you doing? Mike, I'm so honored to be on with you. Uh, we were just saying that we saw each other like three hours ago with these Eagles primetime games killing us in our sleep schedules. Yes. A lot of people have no sympathy for us whatsoever because we're actually doing an Eagles postgame show and we're watching a game and talking about it, which is a dream job for a lot of people. But it's a long show. And when it's a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. We're in a casino until about 2 a.m. And last, yeah. and last night, interestingly enough, uh, and tell, tell the folks, we, we had a couple of incidents last night that spooked us a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, first of all, I always do. I feel bad. I'm not actually complaining because we are very lucky that we get to, to cover the Eagles. But uh, the late nights are, are killing us. And, you know, I'm surprised it actually doesn't happen more often. The, the various characters that you're going to get in a casino, especially when you're doing a postgame show until what, like 2.30 in the morning, uh, so last night, and of course, it's right when I come on to do my sponsored segment for Mark Schulers, and you're trying to focus, and I just see, well, no, no, he was yelling first. Yeah. So, so I was getting a countdown, you know, like when you go live, your producer is telling you, like, stand by 10 seconds, and I hear someone screaming, 10, 9. I'm like, that's weird. Why are they, why are they yelling it instead of just saying it in my IFB? And I look, and it's this guy just running around behind us uh continued i think he stopped counting down but continued to do some sort of um interpretive dance yes behind me for uh, most of that segment and i thought seth joiner was going to get up from the set and start throwing hands with this guy he 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 was close and i and trust me that guy didn't want any of seth's smoke but uh he yeah the guy was obviously inebriated and kind of out of his mind in general and uh you know, it's really funny when you do a live show like that. And I, I've done a lot of live shows radio wise where people, um, they, they like to mug in the background for the camera. I never understood that mentality. But, you know, there's a couple last night. It looked like they were a normal couple, husband and wife. And there's behind yeah. us mugging in the camera. And, uh, and then you get the people. Uh, I was in the middle of talking on one show. And, uh, and I hear a guy say, Mike. Mike Pisnelli, and and he goes over to <laughs> touch me. We're like, like they have no concept that right. we're live on the air. But this guy was trouble last night. And as you, you we continued to do the segment, at the end of the segment, I noticed I'm watching the monitor, and you're you're do, you're doing your thing in the monitor, and uh, I see that the security escort the guy out. It was <laughs> the people that watch the show; they'll see the uh, security finally get this guy out of there. Uh, he must have been causing trouble. Uh, all over the place. I, I need to go back because I actually just went back and found the clip because my mom texted me because she didn't stay up that late to watch the show live last night. So she watched it this morning and she's like, oh my gosh, the guy behind you. So I need to go back and find the clip of him getting uh, escorted out. Yeah, it was br- it was brief. But you can see in the background, there was like six gendarmes <laughs> rushing him out of the casino in, in, in the back. Uh, but anyway, uh, first of all, did I get all your jobs right? Did I miss a couple of jobs? Because you are absolutely blowing up in the Philadelphia uh, media right now. Uh, yeah, life has been insane lately. I think you covered most of the main jobs. Um, I'm not on the WIP morning show just yet. So I do co-host a Saturday show with Rob Ellis, uh, typically three to seven on Saturdays on WIP. Um, and then I, I make appearances on the midday show. Uh, throughout the week. But yeah, I think you pretty much covered the main the main jobs. I do also still sideline or I will 
sideline report a bit on pro lacrosse, which is what I've done over the last few years. Okay. Yeah, that was that was yeah. a, an original job for you. I know. Uh, yeah. So the, the morning show that takes over when Angelo leaves, uh, you you will be a part of. Uh, all right. So let's let's talk about the Eagles a little bit and, and our impressions of, of last night. And then I want to get into like um, I, I, I like uh, when we're all in the room together, because uh, I think that you you look at us like kind of like we're nuts. Like you're 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 kind of laid back in the background. You're observing everything. You're listening to everything. And and Seth is going off, and we're we're going and arguing with other, and you're just you're just kind of sitting there looking at your computer and like taking it all in. <laughs> like, like what what is that like to be around three idiots? You know, I, I'm really glad you bring it up because I feel like now you know what week twelve, so twelve games down or eleven games down, I guess. Uh, we have kind of gotten into our routine in watching Eagles games where we all sit pretty much in the same spots every single game. I sit in like the corner on the couch. Deegan and I share a couch, but we sit on opposite ends. Um, And I actually always wonder what you guys think of me because yeah, I do feel like I'm like, I usually come in, especially if it's a 1 p.m. game I host. Oh, that's a, that's a job you forgot. I, oh, that's right. I hosted a, <laughs> a national sports betting show for um, BetQL Sunday morning. So especially 1 p.m. games, like I rush into the casino because it's an hour away. You guys are usually there already. So I just feel like I'm like, I don't want to disrupt the flow. And, you know, Seth is always bouncing his uh, critiques off, I guess me as well, but I just don't respond to them as much as you guys do. Yeah, he's got a lot of critiques and he, and he he's 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 pretty loud with them. So it, it's it's really yeah. interesting dynamic. All right, when we look at we look at this team that are 10 and 1. So we're we're uh, uh, in a pretty good year to be doing an Eagles post game show. Uh, what were your impressions of last night and what we saw? Um, you know, I'm excited that the Eagles are fun to watch again. They were definitely in a lull. And I had a feeling going into last night, and look, I'm always cautiously optimistic. I never want to be that person that's like, Eagles are going to crush them, even though I did kind of think that about the Colts, and they did not. So learned my lesson there. But I knew that they were due for, I don't even necessarily want to call it a bounce back game because it's not like they ever were, you know, bad, but they just weren't playing up to the level that we saw them play earlier in the season. Of course, injuries didn't help the situation and aren't helping the situation. Um, but I I just wanted the Eagles to be fun to watch. They were fun to watch to start the season. And then I felt, you know, after that Steelers game kind of started to slide a bit. Um, obviously, the loss to the Commanders was rough. Colts game, only one point. That was stressful and just not fun to watch. So while I don't love that they allowed the Packers to put up so many points, um, that game was was drunk. I think I tweeted that. I, I tweeted that when the Packers missed their extra point after the Eagles had gotten like two, three touchdowns already and missed one extra point. It was just a back and forth. Uh, and it was fun. And I'm impressed and still in disbelief that we get to cover the Eagles during this incredible season. Like I never would have guessed that they'd be 10 and one heading into this season. I don't know about you, but I, I did not. No, I, I certainly didn't. And the way it's transpired, uh, they 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 seem to be better than every team they play. So th- there will come a time where they're maybe they're not, maybe in the playoffs. So we'll, we'll have to uh, uh, stay tuned for that. But, but you know, last night it was evident that they have a quarterback who makes a difference, and that's been the the, the main difference for me because I didn't know what to expect with the kid, and, and he the progress he's made is just mind boggling to me. And and we saw it last night; he was such a dynamic part of what they do. <laughs> 
I am so wildly impressed with Jalen Hurts and also so proud that he's our quarterback. I mean, what more could you ask for? He's an incredible person on and off the field. His mentality, uh, the way he leads this team, and then you watch what he did last night, and it's just like, it's incredible. I love, I mean, Mike, you know this, working in radio, working in Philly sports, the debate, it was the debate all through the offseason and probably even before then is Jalen Hurts the guy he needs to work on his accuracy can he get the ball in the air and I love that he has disproven every single one of his doubters um I mean especially in the Philadelphia area I think the national media will never be all in on anything related to Philadelphia or the Eagles but that's okay that's why we always have a chip on our shoulders um but yeah super proud and and just wildly impressed with Jalen Hurts performance yeah, and I have a feeling we're going to be doing a lot of post-game uh, shows uh, into the playoffs, so uh, we'll, we'll wait for that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your career and how you started and what your motivations were. I, I think you're a really good example for people that are starting out in the business because you have a, a tremendous work ethic. Obviously, you're working several uh, different jobs and, and, and uh, you know trying to, to get into a position where work leads to, to re- more rewarding positions. Um, you're, you're local. You grew up in this area, in, in the Philly area, right? Were you a Radnor girl? I went to Radnor. Um, I did okay. move around quite a bit. I lived a very nomadic life right after college and then even through grad school and the start of my career. So it's not like I graduated and just like immediately got a job in working in Philadelphia and in broadcast and TV. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've been back in Philly since 2018, I believe I moved back, so it's been great. It's I've always wanted to work in Philly in the Philly market, and it's a dream come true every single day. I feel very lucky. So, where did you work prior to, to coming back to Philly? So, my resume is kind of weird. So, I graduated from Pitt, and then I immediately I didn't know I wanted to do. I think I did know I wanted to work in broadcast, but it, I didn't have the confidence to admit that. And Pitt also doesn't have a very big journalism program. So, I was a communications major moved to LA, I wanted to be a producer of like TV and movies. So I worked at WME, which is a massive talent agency as an assistant for uh, about two years, which was an experience in itself. Um, And then I moved to New York City briefly, and then Washington DC to get my master's in journalism. So that's where I really kind of started getting into it. Uh, And then I did the small market thing. I lived in Boise, Idaho for a year uh, as a reporter anchor. And then I was an anchor morning anchor in Chicago. Uh, and then I came back to Philly. So I lived a very nomadic life in my early twenties. So you were committed because a lot of people, um, shy away. They don't want to make that commitment where you have to work in small markets and live here and live there. You were obviously Mm -hmm. committed to that. And, uh, uh, it's, it's not easy to do that. It, it is not easy to say the least. Um, and, It's almost hard for me, I'm sure you get this too, from young journalists who might still be in college or not even in college yet, who reach out to me for advice on, on, you know, what they should do post-school, what the best move is. And I almost don't want to say, you know, move to the small market. I got lucky with Idaho because, yes, it was a small market, but it's still a state capital. It had, you know, it's beautiful even though people think it's Iowa, it's not Iowa, it's Idaho, it's out in the Pacific Northwest, you know, had hiking, skiing, all that. And I I think because I was a little bit older than when most people start and do that, I, I knew that that was the fastest way to kind of break into the on-air aspect of the business. 
Um, but I also think now there are so many different avenues that young aspiring journalists and broadcasters can take mm -hmm. to break in. I learned a lot. It was very hard, um, but I was only out there for a year. And, you know, I made friends who are still in the business, some of them, some of them not. Um, I, you cannot pay me to do it again, though. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll say that. It was hard. It was very hard, but I learned a lot. We're talking about Devin Caney. Of course, you can see her on the Jacob Media Eagles postgame show with myself and Seth Joyner and Derek Gunn, uh, among other uh, things in Delaware Valley. Um, you kind of lead a breathless life. Uh, when, when I look at all these jobs, so you go from one to the next to the next, and you, you, you know it's, it's really difficult to do that. Uh, so I, I assume your philosophy is to do as much as you can, and, and, and it'll pay off, which is a, a unique attitude because a lot of younger people that break in the business don't have that kind of work ethic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'll be honest with you. Like, I am very tired. Um, I am exhausted. And I think my – so I talked to my agent um, – it is a very good problem to have to be, you know, given these various opportunities and his philosophy, because it got to a point where I was like, OK, I think I need to start, you know, taking some things off my plate because you just never want to be stretched so thin that it starts detracting from each job because you can't really fully focus on on everything. So I'm glad that I at least have, you know, the Philly sports focused. I'm not too uh, stretched thing in, in terms of like different markets that I have to follow. Um but his philosophy was essentially, you know, I think you just bite the bullet now, say yes to everything while you can. It's a good problem to have. And then, you know, maybe after this NFL season, this NHL season, we figure out what we really want to focus on moving forward. So yeah. I think it's yeah, I think it's a good mindset. And uh, you. Uh, I, you know, I admire you go, uh, going through it because it's, it's really it's really tough. A lot of people don't realize how. How hard you have to work to get to spots in, in this kind of a business. Uh, Devin, it was delightful to talk to you, and it's, a, it's such a pleasure working with you. We did work briefly did. back at 97.5 for about, what was it, three days? It was three days. It feels like longer than that because I, people still recognize me from your show, Mike. It's so funny. It's like, oh, Devin Keeney, you're from the Mike Missinelli show, right? I'm like, I was on his show for three days, but yeah. <laughs> three, three wonderful days, right? Three wonderful days. Uh, yeah. And you know what, Mike? The, I... I do think it's funny that now we get to work together and, you know, we had those those three days together. And I, I know I thanked you then, but still can't thank you enough because I do think that that helped me, even though it was just three days, get to, to where I am now. So I appreciate it. Well, that's awesome. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next week uh, as the Eagles. And, and uh, how are you feeling about next week's game? I feel like the Titans game, for some reason, has been circled on everyone's calendar as like the hardest game of the Eagles season. And I have never been and I'm still not worried about it. If the Packers defense was able to contain Derrick Henry, I don't see why the Eagles defense can. I am worried about CJ Gardner-Johnson being out, but that's a whole other aspect of it. I think the Eagles will be just fine. I think they're going to ride this momentum and beat the, beat the, I was about to call them the Packers, beat the Titans next week. All right, that's Devin Katie. Dev, what's it, what's your Twitter Twitter handle for the folks? You're, you're a very good follow, by the way. You, you have, you have a lot, you have a lot of drinking uh, pictures on your Twitter. A lot, a lot of at the ball game, a lot of all the, uh, at the ball game beer quaffing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah during so look baseball season kind of like my off season i guess in a way so yeah when i go to philly's games they usually like to get me uh drinking beer when you said that i'm like wait what drinking photos oh yeah no no no. yeah yeah i know i came off wrong you're pounding a couple <laughs> beers is what i'm saying at a ball game uh, yeah yeah um so the, the 
Twitter? Twitter at Devin underscore Kaney, D-E-V-A-N underscore K-A-N-E-Y. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Dev, for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's the Mike Nussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, so that was Devin Caney who joined us. And uh, what she, uh, we were alluding to is that she came in when uh, uh, Natalie Aganoff left the show. We were, we were looking for uh, another voice on the show, and Devin came in uh, uh, along with a, 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 a few others. Uh, and I guess it was considered an on-air audition. Uh, so it was good to work with her at that time. And then we find ourselves working together on this Eagles postgame show a little later down the road. All right, this uh, part of the program, the Mike Masnelli podcast, is called Mike Unleashed. And you never know what you're going to get on Mike Unleashed. Sometimes you get politics. Sometimes you get life circumstances. Sometimes you get grocery store dilemmas. And this will be a television situation. Uh, and it, it involves the TV show The White Lotus. Now, I don't know if if, if you're watching The White Lotus it's a fairly had, had a fairly entertaining first season and won some awards and the second season and it's about uh what happens when people come to a hotel for vacation and this year it is in sicily there's this beautiful opulent uh hotel in sicily and of course uh, americans come and different personalities come and you get to understand the dynamics of certain couples and things like that so there there's a part of this show that has Two younger couples. I guess I would assume they're they're in their maybe their mid to late thirties, uh, early forties, but they're career oriented people. And uh, there's a there's a guy who's kind of like a playboy type of guy with a, a playgirl type of wife, like a Barbie doll wife, and he's uh, a financial uh, investor of some sort. And then there's another couple where uh, it, it's a guy who who got rich doing something that we don't know about yet, but they're, they're kind of understated couple. And they're wondering why this other couple invited them on this vacation with them. And the wife of the, of the second guy is kind of like very cynical. And she, she sees the other couple for what they are kind of phony. Um, So the, the girls decide that they're going to go to another place in Sicily and uh, the the one girl who's the Barbie doll has plans to stay for the night with this other woman. Well, her husband happens to be kind of a playboy guy who, uh, as we find out, cheats on the wife. And there's two these two young Italian girls that are that are hanging around the hotel. One of them is. Uh, uh, going through uh, a life as a call girl to make some money. The other one is kind of a musician that wants to be a musician. So anyway, they wound up getting into a party with the two guys that are left at the hotel. And as you might imagine, it escalates into a situation where the Playboy guy hooks up with one of the Italian girls. Uh, So when the other girls come back from where they were from spending the night, they come back to the hotel and the whole thing. And the, the, uh, the one guy does not engage in this, uh, this cheating thing. The, the other friend who's the playboy hooks up, but the other guy is loyal to his wife and stays away from it. Uh, but uh, this party that they had was in the, the guy number two's room. So when the wife comes back, the wife who's the cynical wife, she finds a condom wrapper, an open condom wrapper. And so she suspects that her husband actually cheated when he really didn't. 
and it kind of like flattens her and dro- her heart drops and, and the whole bit. So um, my my uh, question to you, Darren, this is a, this is a dilemma here. The dilemma now, when it all comes bubbles to the surface, the guy has to choose. He obviously has to defend himself and say, no, 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 I did not cheat on you. But then he also has to dime the friend out in order to get free of it. Because otherwise, how would the condom wrapper would just fall from the sky? It would come from the first guy. So what? How would you handle this particular dilemma? Oh, good Lord. Uh, first of all, it's not my buddy, right? It's not his friend. It, was, it is his friend. It was his college roommate, but okay. they, they kind of like scattered, and, uh, and, and now they're back together on this vacation. I mean, look. Oh, God. I mean, that's awful. <laughs> you have to tell. I mean, you have to tell her the truth. Then at that point, I mean, the guy, your his boy, messed up by not cleaning up after himself. That's his problem. I, I would tell her the truth. I think you have to. I always would listen. A long time ago, a friend of mine who's a very, very wealthy attorney gave me two pieces of advice when I got uh, married. He said, "One, don't put yourself in the in the wrong spot in the wrong position where you'll screw up with something like that." Two is always, always tell her the truth from the beginning. So uh, you got to tell her. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, He can't win anyway, because even if he he was pure in heart and did not engage in in the cheating uh, with another uh, younger Italian um, woman, um, he was there. He was in the party with them. And so he's at the very least going to have to admit that, which I don't think is going to take him off the hook with this particular wife. So it's a no-win situation, but but you're right. She, but but she might not reveal that she found the condom wrapper. So she might just play this along, just assuming that he did cheat. So unless she says, "Oh, by the way, here's why," and this was left in the room, at that point he has to say, "Oh my God! Well, it it, it was really him. It wasn't me." Yeah, he's got to tell her that. I mean, well, if she doesn't say anything and she just seethes like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that's the next episode. I, I think actually uh, the White Lotus was on the, the next episode was already on yesterday. So I'll have to catch up to find out what's going on with that particular situation. All right. Uh, the Mike Vasselli podcast continues. It is time for three questions for Mike, where uh, Darren plucks uh, three Obscure questions out of the air. Just to get my reaction, I am not part of this. I don't know the questions. This is a fresh reaction for me. So uh, let's start. Three questions uh, for Mike. Three questions for Mike. Love doing this. Uh, Try and keep it a little fun. But we're going to start off with an NFL question. Mike, you follow the league. You know what's going on. Uh, You see Russell Wilson, who looks to be washed. And and that Denver franchise just gave him a quarter of a billion dollars. That's a B. Quarter of a billion. and then you look at the New York Jets, and you, you got that young Zach Wilson who has clearly lost the locker room. I don't think he's ever going to throw a pass again for the New York Jets. I think they'll end up trading him. Right now, for the rest of the season, if your team is in playoff contention, do you want Russ Wilson or Zach Wilson? <laughs> uh, in the playoffs? No, right now, for the rest of the year, you're in the playoff hunt. Um, so it matters. These games matter. Do you want Russell Wilson? Or well, I, listen, I'm not going to get anything out of Zach Wilson. I may not get anything out of Russ either, but I'm at least going to trust the, the pedigree of a guy that maybe uh, on any particular day he can find it. So I would definitely go with All Russ. Right. 
But it's an interesting question. You know, Zach Wilson is so far, uh, he, he's so green at this point. He's got so far to go that there, there's no way uh, I would take him in that situation if uh, I'm still in a playoff run. Uh, I would go with the veteran. Zach Wilson only lost two games this year, by the way, uh, both to the New England Patriots. Russell Wilson and that Denver offense. It's We're going into week 13 here. They've scored 20 points twice. I, I Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, I, I get it. But I, I think that the safer play is to go Russ, and it might be the wrong play. Okay. I would go Zach just for the record, uh, just because okay. I've seen enough of Russ. All right. Hey, hey look, I got little kids. Uh, well, not little. My oldest is 13. My youngest is 10. There's a This time of year, there's a Christmas movie on in my house every single night. Mike, you got a favorite Christmas movie? I don't. I don't watch Christmas movies. <laughs> I really do it. I'm not, I'm really I, I mean I'm I'm odd in that I I'm I'm actually not that interested in Christmas movies. Uh but you listen, you, you go back to the to the old classics. Obviously everybody raves around about it. Home Alone, I guess is a was a charming movie. Uh I, I liked uh, Jack Frost uh only because I watched it with my daughter, but I don't really have a go to Christmas movie, which makes me an oddball, I assume. You're a dark hearted human. <laughs> I, when I sit down and watch a movie, I want I want a movie to to pl- play with my brain a little bit, uh, and a Christmas movie is too it's too jolly for me. And so, and it, and in a lot of ways, Christmas movies are sad. There's always a sad piece in them, and and it rebounds to be you know happy. I got two. My my two fair. I'm a Fred Claus guy. You know what? Elf was. You know, I'll go. I'll go. Elf. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Elf's good. Elf's really funny. Oh, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Elf. I I enjoyed Elf. I mean, unless you count the, you know, he's he can't find, I don't know, his dad or whatever. But yeah, it's not really. A, there's no down part in that. I'm a, I either go Fred Claus or I go Scrooged with uh, with Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> Big Bill Murray. Guy. So you don't go classic. Um, you you don't go with the tongue stuck on the pole. Oh, Christmas stories. What I grew up. I mean, my dad uh, and I would watch that every year. Yeah, see, that's what most people would say. Christmas story. Yeah, I, and normally I, I would go, but I just, I, those two, when Fred Claus is on or Scrooge is on, they're the two that I'll sit down and watch now. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm more of a Pulp Fiction, the deer hunter type of movie watcher rather than, <laughs> rather than deer hunter. <laughs> deer hunter. Yeah, it is my dark side. All right, what else you got? Last question. Jesus Christ. Third question, Mike. You can only drive <laughs> one car for the rest of your life. What car is it with Deer Hunter? You know, I, I would like to roll up in a beautiful Allen Iverson Bentley. <laughs> that, that, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's the style. Of, like Rolls Royce is too ostentatious. A Bentley kind of like is. Oh my God! Look at look at here uh, with, with this Bentley. Now, a lot of people would uh, think I would say Ferrari or Lamborghini or something, but the Bentley has just it's the essence of class. Uh, I wouldn't make it like a color that would flash, but it would be, you know, just a nice Bentley. There you go. That's my, that would be my, my go-to car. Nice Bentley. There you go. Three questions for Mike. All right. Thank you uh, very much. All right. Uh, let's close it down a little bit. couple of announcements. First of all, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who joined me at uh, Natalia Vineyards for our Saturday event. We had an event at the winery that now I'm now part owner of. Natalia Vineyards is in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. It's a nice spot, and I encourage everybody to come down, taste our wines, hang out. We have events 
uh, a lot down there. We're going to have another event before Christmas. But on Saturday, we had an event with live music and, uh, and food. Uh, and uh, so and, and a lot of people came down after uh, they heard me talk about it uh, on uh, this podcast and on Twitter. So I want to thank the people who came down and hung with me. I really appreciate it. We had a lot of fun down there at Natalie Vineyards. Uh, just go to my website, MikeMiss.com, and you'll read up on how I got involved with the winery. And you'll also read a list of the wines that we have right now that you can you can grab either uh, visiting the winery or you can purchase online. We have a lot of really uh, – we're making some great wines down there. I highly recommend – uh, some of the reds and whites that we're making down there. And you can see a list. I describe them um, on this piece on my website, MikeMiss.com, uh, on what kind of foods they go best with and things like that. So check that out. Uh, also, this Saturday is my first book signing of my children's book, The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. If you listen to this podcast, you probably heard her bark in the background uh, during the segment that we had with Devin. Uh, but uh, I, I've written a children's book called The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. It, it, I think it's a, a good read for, for kids that are just learning to read. You can read the, or you can read it along with them, read it to them. It has some, uh, some lessons for children in there uh, intertwined. But it's, it's a book that I wrote because I, I think my dog has human thoughts. And so I try to project what was in her head and put it to illustration. Uh, and so uh, I hope people like it. But I'm going to have the book signing at Barnes & Noble. This Saturday from 2 to 4, the Montgomeryville store, the Barnes & Noble Montgomeryville. Just check that out for the exact address, uh, and I will have my dog with me. So, uh, yeah, she, she'll be signing books. I won't be signing books. Uh, she'll be doing it with her paw. So come out and, and, and see Shima at 2 to 4 at the Barnes & Noble and Montgomeryville. And the following Saturday, we're going to be at the Chamonix Mall Barnes & Noble. Uh, all right, you can get in touch with me, Twitter is uh mike miss two five uh you can email me at mike at mike miss.com we're going to have the voice of the fan where i'm still trying to select fans and bring them on to the show just to have a chat about sports like i used to do in sports talk radio i miss that engagement with, with the sports fans so we're going to do that so send me an email mike at mike miss.com and tell me why you're worthy to be the voice of the fan and come on the particular show and don't forget to download the bet rivers app um it's funny because I had a couple of great plays last the last the last the plays that I gave you last Wednesday. I believe I hit my two college picks, and uh, I've been hot on that. But it's easy with the Bet Rivers app. Just download it, and you can do live action plays. You can do futures. You can see all the lines right there on any sport that you want to bet on. And of course, football being a big part of this particular season. Uh, all right, I think uh, I think that's about it. Anything else, Darren? Did I forget anything? I think you've said it all, Mike. You've said it all. <laughs> all right. I said it all. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast. We'll be back with another podcast later in the week, and we'll preview uh, the Eagles and, uh, and other things. You know, there's going to be a show that I'm going to dedicate completely to The Godfather, and that's, that's going to come up. We're going to do a lot of interesting stuff on this show. So come along for the ride. Mike Pacelli podcast is, is going great guns so far. Uh, be a part of it. All right? And my dog saying goodbye on the way out. We'll see everybody later. It's the Mike Pacelli podcast. I'm Mike Pacelli. I'm out. It's the Mike Pacelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.